Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield coming at you. On a Thursday morning, I'm sorry to disappoint you. It's not Jeff Hartman. It's not Let's Ride. It's not the Ride or Die crew. Yeah, it's a Thursday, so you're stuck with me. But uh, don't worry, Jeff will be back again on Friday, as usual. If you did not check out Wednesday's episode of Let's Ride, oh, you need to make sure you do that because Jeff is working on something. He's hoping to test it this weekend and implement it next week to where he will be doing actual um, listeners for the mailbag, not just ask him a question on Twitter to actually be on. He'll probably record it on Tuesday night before the Scobro show goes on our YouTube channel. Um, he's going to test it out this weekend, trying it some um, with people where if you can, you have to download an app, follow Jeff there, all this stuff. It's really great. He's basically testing this out and we'll see how it works. And if uh, others will be able to do it as well. I don't know. I don't know if others will. I think this is Jeff's thing. I think this is this is a this is a let's ride thing. This is a ride or die crew thing. So that's what's going on there. Make sure you check that out. But you are here for the Steeler Stat Geek. So you're going to be talking about well, we'll talk about some stats today. We're going to just kind of be doing a little bit of maybe some dropping knowledge and things of that sort. Um, answering a couple questions. Not going to really jump into uh, the news of the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was. A lot of reports about Ben Roethlisberger and what's and his future 
between his agent doing issuing a statement and Art Rooney II issuing a statement. And you know what? That's kind of been addressed on some other shows. So I'm just going to leave him there. You can catch that on Let's Ride. We talked about it uh, Tuesday night about, about with the agent on the on the Skillbro show. There's other places to do that. And you know what? We've talked about it a lot because what we are going to do this morning here. It is time for the bonus round. That's right, everyone. We are going to be talking about bonuses. Now, this was Brian Anthony Davis' idea. We're going to call it the bonus round because he always comes up with nice little creative things to talk about. But I had a question that was posed to me. Uh, This is what we're going to talk about for the first half. I have another question for the second half. So uh, once again, I got one from Twitter, one from an email. So this came via email to me at stlrsuperfandad at gmail.com. I will repeat that again, stlrsuperfandad at gmail.com. If you want to catch me on Twitter, you can just leave out the at gmail.com, and it's just stlrsuperfandad. Ask ask those questions away, because I'm always looking for stuff. This one came courtesy of Boobash. That's the name that came across. It's Boobash. Asked the question to me via email and says, how does the incentives that a player collects one year affect the salary cap? That's a really good question. So when you're talking about incentives, what you're talking about is one of a various type of bonuses. That's why we're talking about the bonus round. Um, So we're going to talk about bonuses, and I figure rather than just incentives, let's just hit bonuses in general when it comes to salaries, salary cap, contracts, all those things that deal with the NFL and specifically the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there are every bonus that a player could get in a contract is labeled as one of two types of bonuses because there are tons that they could do and there's some silly stuff out there where I'll, I'll at least mention one of them there are bonuses that are likely to be earned and bonuses that are not likely to be earned okay wow that's really deep and who exactly determines the likelihood of this I'm not exactly sure it is the NFL of course because they decide what part of the contract goes towards uh the salary cap and what does not yet. So in other words, if you're likely to earn this bonus, okay, these are the easy types. These are the signing bonuses. These are the per game bonuses. These are even things like workout bonuses, uh, things of that nature. If, if, if they, if there's a bonus for, oh, you have to start one game and let's say it's a player that started the game for it, they'll, they'll go through and the NFL will determine if, whether it's a likely to be earned or not likely to be earned. And and basically, they err on the side of caution that the stuff that's pretty simple to get, that's likely to be earned. It's the other things that like, oh, let's say you have a milestone to hit in there. Like you, if you get X number of sacks in a season or crazy enough, hey, what if you get a big bonus if your team makes the playoffs or makes the AFC championship or AFC championship game, makes it to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl, those type of things, those are the not likely to be earned. So you got both types. Now, the likely to be earned, it's very simple. They count towards the salary cap. End of story. So all those bonuses that I listed, and I'll I'll talk about what each of them really are here in just a minute, but I'm just telling you the two main categories. The likely to be earned bonuses, they count right now on the salary cap. So any player that has a roster bonus, even though 
the roster bonus time hasn't happened yet. For example, one Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger, if they don't redo, I'm saying redo right now. I'm not even getting into the terminology because we'll get there in a second. If they're going to do a different deal with him, right now he is due a $15 million roster bonus on the third day of the league year. That's already counting towards the salary cap because that is likely to be earned until it's not. Meaning until it's not, meaning he would have to be released or something would have to be changed before that time. So that's already calculated into his salary cap number of how that's going to be counted. So that's there. That's likely to be earned. So those already count. Now, what about these not likely to be earned deals? What Does that mean that you could basically, if you could... St- you know, slide it by the NFL to where we can give a lot of money if if a player does something and the NFL deems it not likely and it's and then they end up getting it. That's how you get by not counting towards the salary cap, right? <clears throat> nope, your bonus question is incorrect. You did not win the bonus round because it still counts on the salary cap, but it counts the following season. So at the end of the year. You take all these bonuses out there that players could get in their contracts. And if they earn them and they were, they didn't count last year, you know, from, from the time when they earned them, because they weren't deemed as likely to be earned. What happens is they then count towards the following year's salary cap. So what's interesting is if you could, that is one way that you could get it from one year to the next, but it's, it's, it's a really slippery slope and it's, that's not what it's really meant to do. It's not meant to, oh, can I get this counting in the following year? Because there's other ways to do that. And the Steelers use those other ways. So things that are not likely to be earned, I've mentioned some of them. Um, let, let's say, you know, a, a, an edge rusher or a defensive lineman or, or something has a bonus if they hit X number of sacks. I know, oh my goodness, this was a while ago. Can't even remember exactly what year, but I know – um, Elvis, Elvis Doomerville for the, for the purple team in our division, um, earned a, like made a bunch of money all in one game because he hit like two different bonuses. One of which was, I, I don't know if he had a bonus for multiple sacks in the game. That might've been one, but he also had a bonus for, um, reaching a certain number of sacks in a season and he hit it in that game. So, you know, one game ended up being a really big payday. So there's those type of things that could be built in. And if you build them in really low, the, the NFL is not going to count them as a not likely to be earned. I mean, if, if you have some, I, I if there's anything in there, I, I have to look specifically. And the problem is it's hard to find some of these specific ones because as we'll see, the Steelers don't use these. They really don't. But if someone had it in their contract, oh, well, and I could see this more for like a quarterback or something. If your team makes the playoffs, you get this bonus. If your team makes it this far in the playoffs, you get this bonus. I'm pretty sure those are not likely to be earned because there's a really good chance that they're not going to happen. If there's a decent chance it's not going to happen, like due to injury or some other things, the NFL won't count it because they don't want to make you have to pay these this large, have this large number looming on the cap if if there's a decent chance that it wouldn't happen, but if it does happen, you're st- it's still going to count, but just the following year. So real quick, let's just bust into some of these other bonuses that they have on contracts. Um, for the most part, 
Um, the main ones, especially if you go to like overthecap.com and you look at some players' contracts, you'll see that they'll have um, – the way they lay it out is they'll say, oh, it's the player. It's their base salary. It's their prorated bonus. That's basically what a signing bonus is. And it's not necessarily all received right then. It's how much it's counting on the salary cap that year. Meaning if you get a signing bonus, it's the way the way it works. And I'm going to come back to signing bonuses in just a minute. So you got prorated bonus. Then you have roster bonuses. You can just have a regular roster bonus, which is generally what the Steelers do. Some places do a per game roster bonus that for every game you play, you're on the team, you get this bonus. Um, then there's workout bonuses. I know, um, Aaron Rodgers had a workout bonus, um, thing in his contract. And when they were doing the CBA last year, that was a, a big thing about, there was too many OTAs and stuff. And I'm like, if you didn't want to show up to do the workouts for OTAs, then why did you put workout bonuses in your contract? You just shouldn't have agreed to it. Um, and that was part of it. It's like, I'm not gonna get paid. I'm not gonna get my workout bonus. If I have to go to all these OTAs. Well, guess what? Shouldn't have put it in there. <laughs> then they just have a category of other bonuses because it could be any other kind of stuff. But if you go and look at this for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you scroll down through and there are zeros the whole way down on for of every column that's per game bonus, workout bonus, other bonus. The only place you see that the Steelers are using is that prorated bonus, which is part of your signing bonus, and just a regular roster bonus where they'll get, you know, the roster bonus for being on the team at this point of the season and things like that. And there's only a few players that have that right now. Um, Ben Roethlisberger has one. Eric Ebron has one. Derek Watt has one. Um, and that's it. Otherwise, everything that the Steelers do for the most part is signing bonus and base salary. Now, just to real quick explain the signing bonus. Anytime this is how this is how the Steelers go around the salary cap. And this is what everyone does. And this is the kicking the can down the road issue. And that is when you give a player a signing bonus, that bonus will continue. Uh, will not continue. That bonus will not count towards the salary cap all right then. It gets split up and divided out over the length of the contract for up to five years. Um, if you have a 10-year contract, it doesn't go out the whole way. That They just they just don't do it that way. That's the way it's written. Um, I'm pretty sure that did not change in the last CBA, and that's how it's been, how it's operated in the past. So it is what it is with that. So you're saying, well, what's the point of that? That's how these restructures that the Steelers do. They take the base salary of a player. They convert it into a signing bonus. The player gets played, paid the exact same dollar amount, but instead, I mean, they get it all right now, which is better for them. Um, if something happens where they get where they would get cut or something, they've already got their money. Um, and but that allows the Steelers to then divide that money up into additional years. So when people say that's what restructures are, so you're saying, oh well, if you restructure this player, well that player only has one year left on their deal. If you give them all their money in a signing bonus. You're not spreading it out over multiple years. There's only one year left. That's what's going on with Ben Roethlisberger right now. Can't spread his $19 million base salary plus signing bonus over any more years unless they give him a contract extension to add more years to it, and then they can do that. So 
that's how that works. Real, real quick, I'm just going to, for an example, since Cam Hayward just did just did a restructure on Monday to drop him down, um, I reported these numbers as soon as I heard he was restructured to say this is the best he, the, the most they could do, and it's what they did. So Cam Hayward had a $10.5 million um, base salary for this year with the Steelers. So what they did is they took that money, they converted it all but the league minimum into a signing bonus and left the, the league minimum as his base salary, which happens to be for his years of service, $1.075 million. So that means they took um, just under $9.5 million. It was $9.425 million, and that was a signing bonus. But that was separated out through the rest of his contract, which runs through 2024. So it was divided up into 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024. That's how it worked. So with that, when it was divided up, it was able to knock down the the amount that he had due on his for for his uh, salary cap number because it came over. Um, it, that it, it knocked it all down, took off of just over $7 million off of his, what his salary cap number would have been for 2021. Now that money doesn't go away. That money does not go away. What it means is that it's just spread out over the rest of the contract. And because it was for three additional years from that point on, it meant that the money, it's not a huge hit for, for every other year. Now, when you look at someone at like a Stefan Tuit, and I already have an article out there about how his contract is a little tricky to, to restructure because it was under the old CBA. There's a provision about 17th game, things like that that's going on. Um, anything that the Steelers would save this year comes due next year because that's all he has left. So that's just kind of how those work. So those are the different types of roster bonuses that you have out there. There's been some crazy ones. They, they can do interesting ones. The one that always pops into my mind was in 2017. Um, it was with running back Eddie Lacy. I'm pretty sure that's when he was with the Seahawks. Um, that he got a $55,000 bonus when he had he had seven different times he had to weigh in starting at the beginning of training camp, and he had to hit certain weight requirements. He had to be under, I think it started at 255, and then it went down five pounds for stuff because he had some issues as a running back with, with weight. So he got all these incentives. It was, I mean, my goodness, it was like over, I think it was over $350,000 just by hitting his weight goals. So those are things that they have built into contracts and different incentives. Could they tr- do some incentives and things like that in order to work the, the the deal a little bit differently with Ben Roethlisberger? Sure. I mean, I wouldn't care if the Steelers gave Ben Roethlisberger a, you know, if he they owe him $19 million this year, if they say, hey, we'll give you I don't care if it's 1 million. I don't care if it's 5 million. I don't care if it's 10 million. Say, Hey, we're putting all this as an incentive bonus to get to the postseason. If you really want it, you make the postseason. you're going to make all this money. And then we just have a count towards next year. And then, and if you make the postseason, boom, or even make the Super Bowl. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Unfortunately, that's not generally how the Steelers work. That's not how they do deals. Um, but for those of you that were curious about the subject, 
That's the information about it. So with that, we're going to take a quick break here and we come back and want to answer the other question, which actually had to do about coaching turnover and um, coaching success of new offensive coordinators, specifically with the Steelers. Because I have looked at them in the past just across the league. We're looking specifically at the Steelers. So hold tight. We'll be back right after this. Back, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, with the remainder of the Steeler Stat Geek. This is behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield. Still here with you. We are we are done the bonus round. We are done talking about the different types of bonuses that you can get and how they work and everything with an NFL contract. Just some interesting information to know about those. But uh, the other question that I was given was this one came on Twitter, and this one came from the infamous. Brian Haynes, I also know him as Captain Underpants on the live chat um, on our various uh, YouTube shows. And his question was, this offseason has seen a tremendous staff turnover. Okay, Have we ever had this many changes without changing a head coach? And how did the Steelers do in their first season with the new offensive coordinator? So I, I, I answered a question in the past about Hey, do offensive coordinators make the playoffs? And I went back and, and, and did some of that in a past episode. I wish I could tell you exactly what date it was, but I don't remember off the top of my head. But uh, it's out there if you want to go back looking for it. But what I looked at was I'm like, okay, let's see how many staff changes the Steelers had. Now, they added a quality control coach. I'm not really counting that one. I don't even remember his name. I wish I did. Um, but it's kind of a guy that, how do I say this? He kind of followed Matt Canada around from college to college for a while. Um, when he was doing things, um, he was at Pitt, then he, he was at LSU, he was at Maryland, all of those stops for exactly as long as Canada was there. He was just, um, I think the wide receivers coach at a smaller college. Um, but now he's the quality control coach. No one's really sure exactly what he's going to be doing. And unfortunately I didn't write his name down and can't remember off the top of my head. I'm not counting that position. Um, but in all, I'm going to say that the turnover that the Steelers had this year was, I'm going to say six, because although they only hired four new people, they took two people and promoted them. So in all, there's a change in six positions because you had Adrian Clem moving up to be from the assistant offensive line coach to the offensive line coach. You had Matt Canada going from the quarterback's coach to the offensive coordinator. And then you also, so you hired a new assistant offensive line coach you hired a new quarterbacks coach. There's a new tight ends coach, and there is and there is a new um, defensive backs coach. So those were the those were the coaches that the Steelers did. I'm going to say all in all six. If you want to go back to say when's the last time the Steelers kind of had a change in, of six coaches, it's not very long. 
It was only 2019, technically, technically. Okay, um, and that was the the Steelers had a new offensive line coach. Therefore, they had a new assist, uh, assistant offensive line coach. That was Sean Surratt and the promotion of Adrian Clam. They had a new running back coach. That was with Eddie Faulkner being hired. You had a new secondary coach. Um, second, you know, and how do I say it? Was it secondaries coach slash defensive assistant coach? That was Terrell Austin. Then you technically, you had a new outside linebackers coach, but not really where Keith Butler took over the responsibilities from where they let go uh, Joey Porter. That one's a little bit of a technicality. And then the other technicality is that they had a new wide receivers coach um, where from the passing of coach Drake during training camp that they had to then have the interim coach with, um, with, with coach Sherman. So who was already as like, uh, was he a consultant, I think with the team or something like that at the time. So technically you had that kind of turnover in 2019, but none of them included a coordinator. So I went back and said, okay, well, I want to kind of answer this question. Uh, when's, when's the, how often do the Steelers change multiple major positions. Now, I didn't count special teams coordinator because the Steelers have bounced back and forth, whether they called it a special teams coordinator or special teams coach, things like that. So, and that one, it was just because of the way of the wording of it. I just left that one out. So I looked at the three main ones, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach. When have the Steelers ever changed two of the three? And they've only done it Four times. And one of those four was all three. And I think you might know when that was. But in 1990, the Steelers hired a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator was Joe Walton. And the defensive coordinator uh, was, um, is that Dan or Dave? I can't even read my own writing. Uh, Brazil. Um, I should have known that one. I think it's Dan, but I'm not sure. Um, 1992, I think we all know what that was if we know our Steelers history. That's when they had all three. That was when... Bill Cower was hired as the head coach and he had to bring in offensive and defensive coordinators. So that was Ron Earhart as the offensive coordinator and Dom Capers as the defensive coordinator. So that was a bigger turnover. 2004, Coach Cower had to hire both a new offensive and defensive coordinator. And that was Ken Wisenhunt on the offense and bringing back Dick LeBeau on the defense because he had been here before. And then the only other time there was a change in two things, that was in 2007 when Mike Tomlin was hired as the head coach and he hired Bruce Arians as the offensive coordinator, but Dick LeBeau had stayed on to run the defense. So the Steelers don't get big turnover in all those positions. We know how it works with the head coach and even, even with the coordinators, but Coach Tomlin has never had to hire both an offensive and a defensive coordinator in the same season, which is interesting to know. So um, while Coach Cower did it twice, well, one was when he first came in as the new head coach. But I went back and I looked at every offensive coordinator that the Steelers have had that started in 1983 with Tom Moore. And I looked at what was their record the year that they, their first year as an offensive coordinator, and what was their record the year before? And did the team make the playoffs in their first year? So for Tom Moore in 1983, the Steelers went 10 and six, made the playoffs, and they came off a six and three season, which is to me, 
I threw this one out when I looked at some other stuff to see if they had a better or worse record because technically they had a higher winner winning percentage, but they won less games because the Steelers only had nine games in 1982 because of the strike. So that was really difficult to, to gauge. But he came in after the strike season, went 10 and six, Steelers went to the playoffs. The next time the Steelers had a new offensive coordinator was in 1990 with Joe Walton. The team went nine and seven, did not make the playoffs, and the team had gone nine and seven the previous year. So there wasn't really a big change with the new offensive coordinator. When Ron Earhart came in in 1992, don't want to chalk that up strictly to Earhart because that was Bill Cower, that was Don Capers. Um, that was a lot of changes. But the Steelers went from seven and nine the year before to 11 and five in making the postseason in that year. But that was a lot of change. Then in 1996, you had Shane Gailey coming in as the offensive coordinator. The team went 10 and six and made the playoffs, but they did finish one game um, behind where they were the year before, where they were 11 and five. So made the playoffs, but didn't have a better record. Then in 1998, Ray Sherman, they went seven and nine after an 11 five. 11 and five season the year before he only lasted one year as the offensive coordinator. The next year, 99, you had Kevin Kilbride went six and 10 his first year after that seven and nine season before with coach Sherman, he only lasted two years. Then you got um, Mike McCarthy at, um, at, um, in 2001, did I say that right? I might've not even said the right name. Um, I can't, I can't read my writing. Um, in 2001, 13 and three, the Steelers, no joke, went 13-3 and three, um, after being 9-7 and seven the year before, and they made the postseason, if we can remember that, um, from the um, in 2001, from where they did not. In, in, well, I can't remember if they made the playoffs in 2000 or not. But uh, that, that's, that's what happened there. Um, so there's another offensive coordinator that made the postseason. Then the next one was in 2004, which was Ken Wisenhunt. His first year coming in, I think we all know what happened there. I think we all know what happened in that one, if we remember right. That was the Steelers going 15-1 and one in Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season. And that was after coming off of a 6-10 and 10 season where the Steelers drafted so high to get Roethlisberger. So that was a new offensive coordinator. Big, big, big turnaround. So... Um, uh, that's, that's how that was. Then we're moving in more into the more common era where we had Bruce Arians. His first year was in, was in 2000 and what was it? 2007. And the team went 10 and six and made the playoffs after an eight and eight season the year before. So, um, I think <laughs> I'm looking back and I'm like, did I say Mike McCarthy instead of Mike Malarkey? If I did, I apologize. It was Mike Malarkey. <laughs> I'm trying to think what is the name I'm saying and versus the one I should be saying. So, and it finally, if it, it finally dawned on me, but so Arians, when he came in, they went from a non-playoff team to a playoff team. Then what was weird was 2012 Todd Haley comes in and, and everything. The Steelers went from 12 and four the previous season to only eight and eight. Under Haley. Now we all know that this isn't, it's not all on the offensive coordinator, but this is the question I was asked. And then last but not least, Randy Feekner in his first year as offensive coordinator, the Steelers went to nine, six, and one, did not make the playoffs after going 13 and three the previous season. So what does this all mean when we look at it all? Um, of the 11 
coaches that they had, offensive coordinators that the Steelers have ever had. Six times they have made the playoffs in their first season. Five times they have not. So almost a 50-50. And when you look at it, um, there were four times where the team had more wins, and this is me throwing out the year of the strike because it just didn't make sense um, to include that because you can't count number of wins because you didn't play as many games. Um, four times with more wins, five times with less wins, and one time with the same amount of wins. So really, it's it's a mixed review. It's a mixed review, and honestly, so it's not out of the question for an offensive coordinator to come in and make a really big difference. And it's also not out of the ordinary for an offensive coordinator to come in, and it's not. So we'll see what happens when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021. Will Matt Canada make that big of a difference or not? I don't know. But when a team, it's funny, even with the Steelers going 12-4 and four last season, it it the way it ended, we all know what happened. We all know the playoff loss. We all know that including the playoffs, they lost five of their last six and those things that the Steelers were identifying problems and trying to make changes. The other question is, did they identify the right things and make the right changes? We don't know, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility of these offensive coordinators to come in and have a good year right off the bat and make the playoffs and actually have a better record. Canada's going to really have his work cut out if he's going to, if they're going to improve on 12 and four next year. I don't think that's the goal. I think it's more about getting to the postseason and then actually competing and doing well in the postseason. So those are our two questions. I want to thank everyone that, uh, that, that submitted something. So we had something to talk about today for our stat geek. And as you always know, make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts. We have our audio only ones that um, you're obviously listening to one of them. Now we, uh, we know we had the big following with the let's ride with the ride or die crew. You've got Michael Beck's live mic. That's on Tuesdays. We've got all the YouTube shows, YouTube show every day. Every day, you've got a BTSC live show on YouTube that, that you can catch. And uh, most importantly, also make sure you're checking out the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, keep the questions coming. I like to look at stats that you all want to know about. I know it wasn't a ton of numbers this time, which might have been even better, but it did actually give us some different knowledge of other things. Um, when it comes to how the Steelers have done with their offensive coordinators, coaching turnovers, and that bonus round where we talked about um, bonuses in salary. So just want to thank you for tuning in. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out with me. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. 
offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.